You're listening to The Omni Show, where we connect with the amazing community surrounding The Omni Group's award-winning products. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we hang out with Ken Case, talking about the WWDC Roadmap blog post wrap-up. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Omni Show. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we have CEO of The Omni Group in the house with us to talk about his latest WWDC blog post wrap-up. Ken, always awesome to have you with us. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you. Yeah, this is a fun time of year for us, and it's fun to be able to sit down and take a few minutes to share it with you all. Absolutely. And for those of us that maybe are new to these wrap-up shows, maybe they haven't heard us break down what's new after a WWDC, if you don't mind level setting with everybody, just talking a little bit about how this conference helps us level set and recalibrate uh, the software and the company moving forward. Sure. Well, for those who don't know, WWDC is Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. And it's something that they've been doing every year now for a few decades. Um, and ever since we became Apple developers, when Apple acquired Max back in at the end of 1996, I've been to every WWDC since, paying close attention, except for two years, the year where my uh, oldest daughter was born, and that, that timing kind of conflicted. And like, all right, obviously there was a higher priority there. And last year, when she graduated, I did not go down either. Her graduation from the University of Washington was more important. So, <laughs> but other than that, I've been to uh, every WWDC because for us, it's our insight into what's coming next, and it's important for us to understand that what's coming next for the platform because we want the work that we're doing all the time and effort that we're investing to last as long as possible and so if we're not paying attention to where the platform is going and it starts steering off in a direction we're going a different direction our stuff is not going to last very long and that's not good for our customers that's not good for us so we pay very close attention each year what's coming at WDC and and then think about well how does that affect our plans for the rest of the year until the next one rolls around that makes good sense. And I, I don't think anybody would really fault you for the two times that you missed uh, WWDC. Where's Ken? He's at the birth of his daughter. I apologize. <laughs> I think that's okay. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what WWDC has traditionally done and has done this year in regards to the timeline of development of software. Uh, I know maybe Forefront, everybody's mind is OmniFocus. Uh, last year, the introduction of Swift did a few things. And, and just talk to us about where we find ourselves this year. Sure. Well, of course, we started this process of redesigning and rebuilding OmniFocus back three years ago, right after that WWDC, <laughs> when Apple announced Apple Silicon, uh, and we knew these new Macs were coming. They announced changes to the Mac platform with Mac OS 11. Like we finally were moving away from the Mac OS 10 era, getting some new designs, and of course, we'd already started working somewhat with Swift UI. And so that seemed like a really good opportunity to take a step back and think, well, if we were building apps new today for the Mac, how would we build them? How would we be writing them and so on? Now, we're not building new apps. We've been doing this for a couple of decades, but we didn't want to be stuck in this world. I mean, I remember the transition from Mac OS 9 to Mac OS 10 and how a lot of developers kind of got lost or left behind in that transition because they weren't really thinking about, well, how do we reinvent our products now and as the platform shifts and continues to evolve? And so what does that mean in, in this case? Well, obviously, it's not just about the Mac evolving, because one of the things that Apple has done since then is they've really branched out to a lot of platforms. And we wanted to be there on all of them. So we were there on day one when the 
iPhone App Store launched. I mean, we're coming up on the 15th anniversary of that. And we were there on day one when the iPad launched. And we wanted to, of course, be there. And we brought all of our products to both of those platforms. But that left us spread pretty thinly, right? Where we now had a bunch of native code that we were doing on the Mac and a bunch of native code for the iPhone and iPad that were all a bit different. And uh, that required a lot of careful design, a lot of careful investing. Anyway, it seemed like with SwiftUI being a new cross-platform framework and with all of the platforms getting a bit more evolved, it was time to step back and think, well, how would we do this today? And so that's what we started three years ago. And that's, you know, sort of what we're hopefully wrapping up now as, as we come close to the end of this redesign project on OmniFocus and, and, of course, other products along the way. That's awesome. And, and can you give some more specific details about uh, how things are progressing with OmniFocus? You know, when it comes to that test flight, where we are right now, we have finished our feature set for everything, which is, you know, we have a lot of new features in version four and we're pretty excited about what's coming. And some of the features are completely new and other features are new to a platform, right? As we did this work of cross-pollinating the platform so that we have things like focus on every platform that we have, things like nearby on every platform. But then we also did completely new features like bringing history to all of the platforms. Those are just some examples. But now what we're wrapping up is the design freeze. And that's where everything is starting to look like the way it's supposed to look. And you're able to safely take screenshots and share that with people, which lets us get going in parallel with things like our documentation and our marketing work, because obviously we don't want to be building screenshots in our documentation that are showing broken interface code or interface code that's still changing. And so design freeze is almost done, at which point we can turn our attention to usability. And that's all of the other bugs that, you know, are very important to using the app, like keyboard shortcuts and things like that. And whenever those break, obviously, those are some of the bugs that we hear about most these days from our test flight customers, like when tapping breaks. And obviously, we don't want to ship with tapping broken, but tapping doesn't fix <laughs> screenshots either. So we always have to kind of make this balance between, well, we want to keep people engaged and we want to keep the, you know, the test useful enough that people are going to be in it. So we have been fixing some usability bugs all along, but there are some that we've put off that we can finally sit down and focus on as soon as we're not worrying about, okay, is every pixel in the right place? So I imagine this part is going to start speeding up as we get closer and closer now to, to where we're going. So we'll get the usability bugs sorted out, any stabil remaining stability issues or performance issues, those as well. And then we'll be right around the corner from shipping. That's excellent. So that's OmniFocus. I've also heard that OmniGraffle is in testing as well. What feedback have you learned from on that? We certainly have had feedback along the way. It's, I think OmniGraffle is a really interesting product for people to test because so often if you're really trying to test with it, you're building documents that you're trying to share with other people. And if you have a different version of the app that, you know, now has some new features, you can't really share those with other people very well. You know, people just rely on it so much for the content that they're creating in it, that it's really a lot harder for people to feel comfortable diving in and testing. So a lot of the testing feedback has just had to come from us ourselves internally, even though you know, we have opened up the gates and we invited other people to come test. And I think we, we might have like a hundred testers now, but it's a far cry from the 10,000 testers that filled up the test flight on OmniFocus. So yeah, we have learned some great things from it. You know, people will tell us when we accidentally break something, they'll <laughs> let us know right away, hey, we're working on this and I can't do this thing. Or they'll let us know if 
a workflow change that we have made around our tools or our palettes or whatever is doesn't feel right to them or doesn't seem to be working quite right. We hear about those things and we hear about things that people just want or, or wish that the app had. One of the fun things about this release in particular is that we've had the chance to sit down and bring some long requested features to OmniGraffle. And so it's fun to have those now in test flight, have people actually trying them out and telling us, yeah, this is finally solving this need that we've had for however many decades in some cases. I love that even though Omni is not a new company, there's that new mindset that says, how would we you know, do this today in a way that makes it m most accessible for everybody? I so appreciate that. I also like this mindset that says, hey, we're going to skate to where the puck's going. We're willing to slow down a little bit in order to speed up. Tell me more about that thought process. Yeah, yeah, that is a great uh, summary of uh, part of, you know, why we did this. We didn't want to be continuing to have our platforms diverge and have to, every time we implemented a new feature, we would have to design it multiple times and implement it multiple times. And it just was slowing everything down, right? And that was appropriate at the start when the capabilities were very different. But as time has gone along, we certainly want OmniFocus to feel like it's OmniFocus no matter what platform you're on. And as all of the platforms have gotten more parity in their capabilities, it feels like pretty much every feature ought to be on every platform. There are a few features that are still exclusive to one platform or another. Uh, and of course, the experience is different just because the devices are different. But you don't want to say, oh, well, you can do you know, location alerts on this platform, but not that platform, or you can do, you know, your map here and not there, or you can do focus on here, but not there, and quick injury, <laughs> and on and on, right? This really does feel like an effort in reducing friction as much as possible, having, you know, if it shows up on one platform, if it's on the Mac, then you can expect it to be on iPadOS, iOS, or VisionOS. And, and speaking of VisionOS, I'd love to talk about you know, no promises here, but I, I know this is an area of interest for the Omni Group. What sorts of things does an operating system like this make possible? Well, it's it's exciting for me to see this happen. If you haven't already figured this out, I'm a bit of a computer nerd, right? <laughs> so, so I've always been fascinated with where is this stuff going? What's going to happen next? What can we play with this stuff? And so, I, you know, as various uh, VR experiences have come out, I guess I've been playing in various VR experiments since the uh, late 80s, early 90s. The graphics lab at the University of Washington that I um, uh, used to work at and so on. It's been a pretty fun time to see, you know, over the last decade or so, some of the gaming stuff come along on the PC platform or, you know, on some of the consoles as well. But we still have never really seen a good productive platform for doing this sort of experience that is really designed for productivity and for being able to accomplish work, like to be the bicycle of the mind that Steve Jobs talked about computers being some decades back. That's the platform we're interested in developing for. As a, as a computer nerd, I was interested in the others just to kind of see where things are going and to play with it. But now that Apple is jumping in here with Vision OS, a system that's designed to augment your reality as it exists, to not cut you off from communicating from the people around you. You don't have to wear this headset that blocks off your vision, uh, but you instead see through it and you just see your computing world sort of superimposed on the real world. You know, that starts to get a lot more interesting and exciting for us as developers. Tell me about, you mentioned in the blog post that you received the Vision OS SDK and within about like an hour, 
had versions, you know, at some, some version of an Omni software app or environment running. What did the team think when they saw, okay, this is what the apps might feel like when they're in this new environment? Well, to be clear, this is what the apps as they're built today would look and feel like if we make no changes by the time. That, uh, and so obviously, you know, part of the reason we wanted to do this is we wanted to see, well, what do they look like? And then how do we think they should look? What do we need to change so that they feel at home on this new computing platform? And there's a lot to do, <laughs> so to be clear. But a lot of the work that we want to do is made so much easier now by the fact that we're using SwiftUI in so many places. <laughs> and so, you know, the investment of the last few years has really paid off now in terms of us feeling like we can bring this code over and it will adapt to yet another platform in a way that makes sense for that platform. That that's part of how SwiftUI is designed to be a declarative language where you say what you're trying to accomplish rather than here's where this exact pixel should go, right? Now those pixels are very different. We're very happy to be <laughs> using this system that will now adapt to yet another platform. Not that there won't be any work on our part, there will be uh, some design work and so on, and not everything can be shared. And we still have yet to kind of figure out, well, what are the platform specific things that we want to leverage and how do we want that to look? But we've already started thinking about that and imagining what would happen if you have a much larger canvas that you're working with in OmniGraffle or an OmniPlan, for example. What happens if you maybe want to drop some 3D things on an OmniGraffle canvas or or maybe have some of the planes of the, the layers that are in OmniGraffle? It already has documents that are separated into multiple layers. What if you bring some of those layers out to a different Z level or perhaps even give them different transformations so that at different angles they're positioned differently in 3D space than the others and, and so on and so forth? There's a lot to think about and work on. And, I, you know, I don't want to make any promises about what may or may not show. Okay, We still have yet to actually experiment with this with real hardware, right? So the simulator is one thing because we're still looking at it in an environment where the screen itself is still 2D. It's still flat. And we don't truly get to see around it in the same way as, as we can imagine it. But it makes it a little easier to imagine. And we can kind of see how the code runs on the operating system at least. Two things really strike me. One is this moving from 2 to 3D and the possibilities that that brings to our software. And two, I'd love any thoughts, uh, again, no promises here, but about how this might change the way people interact with software or, you know, more specifically our software. Yeah, and some other examples, like if, you, if we look at OmniFocus, you could imagine you can open multiple windows, first of all, and they can each be positioned wherever you want in 3D space which means you can leave a window in one room and put another window in a different room. So you can put a window with your OmniFocus shopping list right by your fridge, and you can put another window with your to-do uh, laundry stuff, actually buy the laundry or, and so on. Now, I don't know that people will actually want to wear their Vision Pro everywhere they're going around their house. So will that actually be a useful thing for people to do? Maybe not with this generation of hardware, but this is just the first generation of hardware. At some point, I can imagine, you know, maybe if it's as easy as putting on my glasses, then yeah, I would want to wear it as I'm off doing laundry. And so why wouldn't I uh, have a reminder there that says, oh, I need to refill the soap or whatever. Yeah, just even thinking about the concept of iterations, you know, the first iPhone comes out and it's great, but already iPhone 3G, which was just a few years later, looks so much more different and offered so many more capabilities once they got that kind of moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think 
at some point, I mean, right now, I think it's easy to forget how constraining the screens that we carry around are, right? These physical screens that we're putting our windows on. And if instead those windows can go anywhere in your physical world and all you're carrying around is a much lighter and smaller headset, that makes a lot more places that you could think about placing these windows and using them. And, and what other earmarks or milestones are happening through the rest of this year along with Apple? So we just had WWDC. What else is happening in this world? Sure. So, of course, I already mentioned that right around the corner, we're coming up on the 15th anniversary. And that's not really a milestone in terms of us shifting anything new. <laughs> but it is kind of an opportunity to look back and think of, wow, here's how much has happened over the last 15 years. As you mentioned, the difference from the iPhone, the original iPhone to even the iPhone 3G, uh, and then from the 3G to where we are now, it's incredible to look at. And so, uh, so we'll probably share some fun screenshots of that original iPhone app that we had and so on. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, although maybe it's not spoilers by the time that, that's just right around the corner. So by the time this makes it into production, maybe uh, it's right around the same time. Of course, looking a little further ahead, well, in the fall, Apple will be releasing new updates to all of their operating systems. And of course, that's what they shared with us at WWDC, where here are the new versions of macOS, iOS, watchOS, iPadOS. So of course, we'll be updating all of our apps for those. And still the top focus on our plates are, it would be the OmniFocus 4 release that we're building towards and OmniGraphle 8. Now, OmniGraphle 8 won't be this year, but I think we can look forward to OmniFocus 4 coming later this year. Can I just say that this team does such a great job of intentionally asking the question, we mentioned it earlier, about if there's a new user coming to Omni, how do we make sure that that experience is a good one for them? You know, if we had it over to do again from scratch, what would we do here? And I think that speaks to why the staying power of Omni has been as much as it has, as well as this resistance to want to take the quick win. You know, hey, we upgraded something versus no, we're going to skate to where the puck's going so that in the next four years when Swift is a really big thing, all of our apps are natively programmed in it. That's a big deal. Well, and we wanted to do that both from the implementation side and from the user experience side, right? Like if somebody's coming to the app new today, what can we do that makes it easier for them to get into that they don't have to know about the 10, 15 years of history of OmniFocus and various design decisions can just sit down and hopefully start using it as easily as they can use reminders, and then they can grow into the other features as they need them. And so that's really the essential part of the experience that we've tried to keep in mind with every design decision that we've been making. Well, can I so appreciate the breakdown of the WWDC blog post and where we're at? I'll have to admit that the uh, nerd slice of me did, you know, kind of light up a little bit when they brought out the headset saying, oh, okay, we've, we've been waiting for this. I'm excited about this. Uh, any final thoughts or ideas uh, as we let you go? Yeah. And again, I don't expect it to happen overnight, much like the Apple II didn't happen overnight. The, iMac, the original Mac didn't happen overnight. Even the iPhone, it, people were pretty excited about it, but it took several years before it really became anywhere near as huge as it is now. And I don't necessarily expect that this becomes as huge as the iPhone did, but I think it could easily become as big as the Mac is. So we'll find out. Definitely exciting times. Ken, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, and thank all of you for listening today, too. You can drop us a line on Twitter, at The Omni Show. You can also find out everything that's happening with The Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog. 